that's the best place to stay is right there on the sunny side. Always, always have to be positive. I went over to see my mom the other day, and she's all negative. Uh, and, and she was actually smiling. And I couldn't understand why she was smiling. And uh, so then uh, Beth told me she had watched something earlier that morning. And uh, it said, you ought to be thankful for being old. And I'm like, okay, where is this going to take me? And uh, she said that uh, the person that she's listening to said that you ought to be real thankful. Take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 5. That you ought to be thankful because so much stuff that you can show the younger people. And that's a true statement. You know what the young people need to do? They need to see some old people still hanging in there. Uh, that's a, it's a hard thing. Uh, but if we can do it, they can do it. And uh, they see that stuff and they see it. Luke chapter 5, we're going to read a couple verses here. Uh, and it came to pass, 5 verse 1. And it always comes to pass. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood uh, by the lake of uh, Genezareth. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, uh, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto, the, unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. And have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had uh, thus done, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And he beckoned unto their partners, which were in the in the other side or in the other ship, uh, that they should come and help them. And uh, they they came and and filled both the ships. So that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell uh, down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was uh, also James and, uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had, had brought uh, their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Father, thank you for your blessings today. I do pray that you bless this message. Although my mind is racing into a lot of directions real quick, and I just uh, pray that you calm me down. Give me clarity of thought. Uh, Lord, give us out of the precious word of God this today what we need. Uh, at, we're all here to hear from you. And Father, again, thank you for your blessings, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Simon is sitting here. Actually, the Lord Jesus, it's all about the Lord anyways, and uh, you also always should look on the sunny side of life. Uh, you never know what life is going to give you. Uh, I mean, it's an it's, it's amazing thing. Uh, a lot of times we get things in life, and life comes through quickly, and it goes back quickly. I, I'm, 65 years is gone for me. I mean, it's just toast. I, I can't even believe where it went. Uh, my mom is 90. It's just, it flies by. She was 25 when she had me, uh, and I'm telling you what, it's uh, 90 years old is, is out there, uh, it's, and there's some people older than that. Uh, but I, I'm sitting here at 65, still feel like a, a young pup, but 65 years has gone by. Uh, the Lord walks up into a man's life here named Peter. It's Simon Peter, and it says, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Uh, they were looking at Jesus Christ because they have never heard it before. There's a lot, so many churches out there today, they're pressing organizations and this and that and the other. And when it really comes down to just the word of God, do you, do you want me to turn this on too? I could turn this on if you want. There you go, I turned it on. I'm going to put a strobe light. Uh, one of these days I'll do it. 
And it came to pass. The people pressed to hear what Jesus had to say. They have heard of this man from Galilee. They've heard that, hey, there's this guy out there talking about something that's totally different. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about future events that's going to occur. He's talking about an everlasting place. This is what uh, religion is supposed to be that way, by the way. Religion should be getting you, Christianity should be getting you to that place out in the future somewhere. What most of them want to do is they want to bind you down and get you to do what they want you to do on this planet. I'm telling you, I can't tell anybody. I told them in Sunday school this. I can't tell anybody what to do. I can tell you what the Bible says. You do whatever you want to do. Uh, I, I personally have already looked out to the future. I looked at the book of Revelation. I looked at some of the Old Testament prophecies. I see what the Lord has offered me out there. I took it in 1980. I'm satisfied with that. I like uh, the old uh, Dr. Peacock said, is this old lady in his dad's church. And she'd come around, I'm satisfied, however she did it. Uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, if we had a couple of you old ladies, want, older ladies, 35, 40 years old, want to get up and run around the church doing that, I'm okay with that. I, I have no problems. I, I mean, I don't care if they run the aisles. I don't care what anybody does anymore. Uh, if you're praising Jesus Christ, you ought to do it. It come to pass that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. There's a need for the word of God to be preached today. People need to hear that. They need to hear, first of all, there is a God. Uh, if you watch this world, this thing is insane. It gets crazier and crazier by the moment. Uh, I don't understand how in the world they can get by with what they do. And they do it now blatantly out in the open. And, and they think that we're too stupid to see that. Uh, I want to see the election this year only because I want to see how the outcome is. I mean, are, 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 is the American population really that ignorant that they would let this stuff continue going? I don't know what the answer is. I really have no idea. I know one thing. Jesus Christ has the answer that I've always wanted, and it, it yeah. met every need I ever needed. It says, and, and he comes to the lake, and he's sitting on the side of this lake, and he has no place to go, and the crowds are all over him. He has to get above them or away from them, so, and he always does that so he can preach at them and tell them what's going on. So he sees a couple boats in there, and he's, he's coming up to Peter. Now, I want to say something about Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They're all here fishermen. And it says right here, it says, verse 2, it says, And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Both of these guys, uh, the, he's looking at these guys. And, and earlier back in Matthew, go back to Matthew chapter 4 real quick, just real quick. He calls Mark, he calls all four of these guys. Matthew chapter 4. This is a different, different place in the scripture, down the road a little ways. Uh, so many times we do stupid stuff, foolish things, foolish things. I should just say foolish. They said you ought to get uh, shut up and uh, stupid out of your vocabulary. I don't know how to do that. But Peter and James, uh, four, go back 418. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, and going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, and, uh, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their fathers, mending their nets, and he called them. So back in, back in, his, in Matthew here, he's, he's calling the four disciples right here, the first four, uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. He called all four of those. And something happened, and you catch them right here in, in Luke chapter 5. They're back at their old job again, doing their, doing their thing. They have left uh, off, and, and maybe it was a part-time thing where they would go hang out with Jesus and get fed some and listen to what he had to say and then go back doing what they were doing. But they're all back here fishing. But over here in, in uh, Matthew, they were fishing, 
casting their nets. Over here, they're cleaning them. They're on the shoreline. Two different scenarios. Uh, you don't know why they went back. They were actively engaged in their profession, both of them. And so many times we do just that. We come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we know who Jesus is. We start to follow him. Uh, we get a little close to him and, and realize how close you got to get. Or we don't understand all that stuff. And then the world starts creeping into our lives. And we realize I got to take care of this and take care of that and take care of this. And the Lord kind of goes off to the side just a little ways over here. And, and he's still there. And we still go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights maybe. Uh, or if you're a good Catholic, which I was, you would go to church on Easter and Christmas. And you think you just did what you're supposed to do. Uh, midnight Mass. You got to go to Midnight Mass. That was, that was, I don't know why you go to Midnight Mass. It's dark. But they do anyways, and you always did. My mom took us, and, and we'd go because we thought we were supposed to go, and, and that was it. And they think they've done what they go to the church picnics and eat fish. Man, they got some of the best fish you ever had in your life. Don't go there. I didn't say go there. I just tell you, they, from experience back in the day, the fried chicken was good too. Uh, but then you can fry some chicken, man. Chicken is like good stuff. But anyways, <laughs> this is not the same as what we're reading here. Jesus is looking for a, a boat to get into, and and in this passage right here, the ships are out, and, and he's just, they're just doing what they always did. Uh, they worked all night long fishing, uh, and now they're cleaning their nets, getting ready for tomorrow. They, they're just looking for something to do, but they're just taking care of business. They're just working like they should. They're not slothful by any means. They, they went out, and it's going to read in the passage here in a few seconds. They didn't catch a thing. Uh, verse 3 says, and they entered into one of the ships. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and talked to people from the ship. It's an amazing thing when he does that. He just walks into the ship. It's like when he told his disciples, he said, hey, there's a donkey out there somewhere. I want you to go find the donkey. And he goes, when you find the donkey, he said, it'll be tied. And he goes, if somebody says anything, just say the master has need of him, and they'll say, take him. The Lord always, when he walked in, he, he commanded authority just by his life. He, very few times you ever find him asking for anything. He just does it. You know what a good servant does? If they just do what they know they should do. You don't have to be asked. Christ never asked Peter right here for his boat. Peter never even thinks something about it. A ship appropriated. He appropriated the ship. He jumps in it. It says, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he did. He just, Peter just says, hey, you know, he didn't say, hey, man, I've been out there all night. I'm tired. I'm wore out. Uh, Lord, can you just leave the ship here docked on the side of the, the pier here and just preach from that? And he goes, no, I want to go out of the ways. Peter says, okay, hey, let's go. And he takes him out. Not a, not a question. It's a simple request. Go out there. Obedience. When it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, obedience is, is a crucial. Uh, it's a small thing. You, uh, uh, this walk, and I, I've mentioned it in Sunday school, but I'll mention it again. This walk we have, a Christian walk, is a lifelong walk. It never was a momentary thing. Uh, you have to start this thing, and as you go down through it in life, things change all over the place. I'm getting eat all over the place. Uh, I was sitting here this morning, man, and uh, so just some of the messages that's been going on for the last month or two I've been listening to and thinking about, and the Lord's saying, it's time you start changing some things in your life. And I started looking at some other things I did, and I preached a couple of messages on uh, slothfulness or, or uh, idleness. And then I started, you know, I mean, when you preach a message, just remember, when you point your finger at somebody, you got three coming right back at you real quick. And I'm sitting there going, look at all the areas that I'm idle in. 
And I'm like, Lord, I've got a lot of idleness in my life that if, if I'm weak in some of these other areas, if I'd get rid of some of this other stuff that is useless, I'd have plenty of time to do this other stuff over here. Uh, you got to watch that stuff. Sometimes the devil will put, he'll slide little things in your life to just keep you busy. Uh, but it's a simple request. It's obedience in a small matter. Lord says, do this. You never know what the future holds for you. You never know. And 20 years from now, if you don't do this, 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 you'll never get to that 20-year mark. Uh, if you don't do this, 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 you'll never get to the five years. And if you don't do this, this, you won't get till tomorrow with him. You know what he does sometimes? He'll shade, do this little bitty thing. Oh, well, that's just, that doesn't matter. It does to him. Because he realizes that every single thing you do, you start listening and you start choosing. I, I tell you what, I was in the Navy. I liked it. I never had a problem once. My boss said, hey, I want you to do this. I did it. I didn't, people hated me. I'd come into work at 7.30 in the morning, I'd leave at 4. I was a tyrant. You think I'm a tyrant here? <laughs> you ought to have been on a ship with me. I was a tyrant. They say, why? Because I come on the ship in the morning, and we're going to do everything Captain wants, and everything everybody else wants to. And then we get free food on top of that, three meals a day. <laughs> I get breakfast, lunch, and dinner while I'm on the ship. I thought it was the greatest thing since peanut butter. I like free stuff. I didn't realize I was giving my entire life for that. I didn't know that until I went out here to the VA and they told me that you gave your life. I'm like, what? I thought I was just having fun. I did. When I was in the military, I was having a blast, man. I mean, people just, they don't catch that thing. Uh, but you sit there and when the captain asked me to do something, I did it. Yes, sir. We can do it. How long is it going to take you? 15 minutes. That's all it's going to take. 15 minutes. If you know anything about me, you'll know why I say that. In my mind, I could do anything the guy asked me. Sometimes you have to figure out how to actually do it. But we got everything accomplished he wanted to get accomplished. Why? That's just what I wanted to do. It's a simple request. They're looking for obedience. If you will do the small things, when you go and try to get a big thing done, they'll help you do it. But if you won't do the small things, how will you ever get to the big things? You know what some of the small things are? Faithfulness. Brother, I don't know about you, but man, for 43 years, I just think churches were, oh, actually, I'll take that back, 38 years, 39 years. First four years, they wouldn't even let me in church. I was messed up. Uh, uh, yeah, I got to sporadically go in and out. Dr. Jack Hollis, I got to go in his church for two years of that four years. And I mean, really, they treated me like a sailor. They put me back in a corner somewhere and said, you sit back over here that we know what you guys are. And I was just with a mix of other sailors. And I didn't understand any of that stuff that went on in the church. When I left there and went to Norfolk, Virginia, I got into my first church there off a guy. And from that day forward, I'm like, church is really the most important thing in your life. Uh, outside of salvation, once I get salvation... Church is it. I mean, if you put church anywhere other than that, now I'm telling you, I think a husband, a husband, uh, I think my relationship with Jesus Christ is number one. There is nothing between me and him. Nothing between my uh, Savior and me, however that song goes. Uh, we'll figure it out later on. But there's nothing there. Then he gives me a wife on this side over here. But before I got my wife, guess what? I had a church. So I got a church. If I looked at this thing as uh, a you looked at a chain of command, it would be the Lord Jesus Christ and me right below him. And then I have offices out there. And my wife is over here and church is over here. And I'm telling you what, they're close. Uh, I would never ask my wife not to go to church. I would never expect her not to say, Mike, you don't go to church. I, I actually had somebody come to me one day. And they were mad at me because they let their kids come to Sunday school. Uh, they come to church like two or three after we go pick them up. Uh, they let their kids come to church. Well, they were both said they're Christians. And then she comes in after about 13 years, and her kids are all messed up, and she's blaming me for it. She says, I'm like, whoa, whoa, ma'am, excuse me for one minute. Can I please say something here? 
I said, there's 168 hours in a week. You give me your kids for three hours and think I'm going to correct everything you do in 165 hours? I said, how come you're not in church? Well, I made a deal with my husband many years ago that I would let the kids come to church if I didn't come. I'm like, well, that's stupid. I said, I, I, said, I would never ask my wife not to go. To, if I don't want to go to church and I'm going to get backslidden, I don't think I should drag her down with me. I said, I ain't going to do that. And she goes, oh, yeah, you're right, man. My husband. I'm like, ma'am, you blew 13 years of your life. Where is Jesus in your life? I said, he's got to be somewhere. It's a simple obedience. You got to get some things in order in your life. You say, I'm going to put them in my life. These are things that's going to be there. That develops character. Christian character is what you need. Obedience is a small matter, but it leads to future blessings. Everything I ever did when I was young got me to where I'm at today. Down the path that I walked with Jesus Christ. Peter's asked to take a boat. That's all he's asked to do is just take a boat out a little ways. It's not a complicated thing, but he's already been working all day. I'm tired. Okay, you don't think the Lord's tired? You don't think everybody else is tired? You think it's all about me or all about you? No, it's not. Sorry, can't help you. <laughs> Obedience in the small matter leads to future blessings. As servant's response. I like Peter, man. Peter always gets the bad end of the deal. He really does. He gets the short end of the stick. He is You know what? The Lord's out there. It says in the next passage... He delivered a message. He's preaching at everybody. You know what that tells me? Without Peter saying a word, he got in his boat and he took it out. And he gave the Lord a platform to preach to some other people. I like working on a church, man. I got to build, have to do a lot of stuff here at this church. And a lot of people get to preach here. And I'm okay with that. I've had people tell me that I shouldn't let people preach as much as I let them preach. I like people preaching. You know why? Because it trains them. And pretty soon, one of these days, I'm going to be gone off the scene, and there's going to be a bunch of guys who knows how to get behind a pulpit and preach. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I think anytime you get an opportunity to help the Lord promote some people to do something better than what you did, I think it's a great thing. You know what Peter got to do? He got to give the Lord a platform to reach a multitude of people. That's a great thing. The servant's response, it had to be delivered. He, he, he's delivering the message. The Lord's delivering it, so Simon had to do what he had to do. He thrust out. The sermon delivered. What was the sermon that he could have possibly? It doesn't tell you what the sermon is. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. I'm just going to hit a couple things here real quick. And then I'm going to get right to the crust of the message. Then I'll be done before Jerry dings me. He didn't ding me this morning, though. I, uh, either I got him his, his attention or put him to sleep. One or the other. Chapter 5. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount right here. And this is probably just a little bit past or real close to where we're at here in Luke. Uh, but if the Lord was going to say some stuff to these people, this is what he says. And verse 1 says, and seeing the multitudes. The Lord always cared about the multitudes. He fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000, he cared about them all. And seeing the multitudes, he went upon, up in the mountain, and when he was set, uh, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the people or the poor in spirit. And he goes right on, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they. And he goes on and on and on. Verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. He tells us what we are. He says, you are the light of the world. You know what? The, the people that's sitting down there on that shoreline have heard some things that Jesus said that they had never heard before. Hey, I am of some value to God. The Pharisees and scribes are all saying, we're really nothing out here, and they're everything, and the temple's this and the temple's that. But this man is saying, hey, I'm actually something. You know you're something with God? The Lord has a value in each and every person sitting in this room today. There's a value in you. And you can, you can be something great with him if you just let him. 
But the world says, oh, no, 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 you got to do this and this. You got to get a college education. I'm not against college education. I'm not against anything. Well, I am against some things. <laughs> uh, there, uh, I ain't going to go off on all those things I'm against. Man, I'm against a lot of stuff. I'm against what God's against. How about that, man? I get in this book, and man, there's all okay. You get back in the book of Leviticus. That's where you want to go. If you want to find out what God's against, go back to the book of Leviticus and see what God says about a lot of things that we do today, and then make your choice. That's really what all it does. You know what Peter did here? He made a choice. Sermon was delivered. We're not really told what Jesus preached, but you can rest assured it was right on target and right for the time. He never said anything, and he never wasted time. It says he did all things right. All things perfect. Everything he ever did was right. He never messed up. Uh, Simon Peter was in front, in front row getting delivered the message. He, I mean, he got the message front row. He's sitting there with Jesus Christ. And a multitude was enlightened and heard the gracious words of our Lord. I, I sometimes get under conviction about that because my words aren't always gracious. And I listen to some of these, Adrian Rogers, I listen to Adrian Rogers, and it just blows me out of the water how that man... And he's not the only one. There's other ones like him and other, other preachers. They just, even Dr. Ruttman was rough, but I mean, he had a way of bringing things across that uh, really, when I look at my method of preaching, I'm like, Lord, I'm not like these guys. I said, I, I wish I was. I wish I was as gracious as the Lord. Like the lady at the well, man, she sits there and she comes and she knows she's a sinner. Been married five times. She already knows all the problems she has. She already knows that, that her, the Lord's down on her and, or that he could be and the thumbs up and what all, everybody thinks about her. She already knows that. And she meets this guy at the well and the guy's sitting there telling her stuff that, about her that she had never said. And she knew there's no way he could ever know that. And, and as the conversation goes on, he said, you'd ask for that living water. And she says, give me that living water. He goes, woman, he said, there's going to come a day when here or there, they're going to worship, but they're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And when she heard that stuff, man, she runs off and starts telling the city, and she goes, hey, there's a guy out here. You know what? There was some excitement in that woman's life. You know what's wrong with most of us? You know why you don't bring nobody to church and nobody comes with you? Is there's no excitement. If, I mean, it's like going to the dentist. Ah, it's going to hurt. Are they going to give me enough? Are they going to put something to give me, put me out? That's what everybody, when you go to the dentist, you know what? They want you to put you out. I don't like putting anybody to sleep, so I try to keep people awake. That's why I'm loud. I see in the crowd every now and then some of the older people. <laughs> I try to slow down right there and have a little grace, but not a whole lot. But you know, Christ was gracious in his preaching. And some of us, we ought, we ought to learn. I, me especially, ought to learn. Now, there was no time limit. If you figured a sermon on the mountain, the Lord got done that, you figure feeding 5,000, how he fed 4,000, don't ever complain about me going long on a sermon. I mean, no, I don't even want to hear it, man. Really, honestly, I don't. If you need to go to the restaurant, then you can leave, and I'll preach at you on the way out the door. Uh, I do that because that's just the way I think it's funny, but... Uh, but I really, if you got somewhere to go, then go. That's all right. You don't even have to tell me. I, I've had a, people come and say, hey, you know, in the middle of your sermon, if you see me get up and leave, please don't start preaching at me. Uh, I got this to do. And I said, fine, then you do what you want to do. But, but there was no time limit of him sitting in that boat out there. He just started telling. There's no time limit on you learning about Jesus Christ. You ought to spend some time really considering what he's saying. And, and those people were considering what he was saying. And Peter, Peter never said, hey, Lord, you got to hurry up here, man, because we got, you know, got to be at Golden Corral here real soon. Uh, the, I mean, uh, the, the, senior, the senior lunch is over at 4. we got to get down there, man, or else we're going to be in trouble. Uh, I'm like, who cares, man? I said, he can pull a couple of fish out of the sea there and feed 5,000. Who really cares about that? 
It said, verse 4 says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, and this is pretty much where I want to be, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. You know, a lot of times we do not pay attention to the Word of God. How many times have you read something and you just didn't pay attention to what you just read? The Lord is looking at him and he probably goes, Simon, take your ship, go out to sea, and let down your nets. Did you hear the S? No. You know, Simon, yeah, I mean, he gets a lot of grief. I really feel sorry for him a lot of time. He says, when he left off speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a drop. Two seemingly unreasonable requests he just asked right there. Simon had already been out there, and you're going to get that in the next verse. He had already been out there all night, him and his crew and his other people, and they hadn't caught a thing, man. Not, I mean zero, nothing. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't even catch rocks. They didn't caught nothing. No sticks, no nothing. Launch out into the deep. Why? I mean, I can see Simon saying, why? And let down your nets. <clears throat> One unbelievable prediction for a drop. He's telling them, if you go out there, you're going to catch fish. Simon's going to wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I can see him. He's the Lord. I'm a, I'm a professional fisherman, and you're not. You know what the whole purpose of this is? Is so Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and all the other disciples will know who he is. And sometimes in our lives, the reason why we are not where we're supposed to be with him is because we never got around him enough to watch him do some of the things that he's done. I've watched him for 43 years do craziest stuff in my life. That, I mean, I just, you can, I can start 43 years ago and go all the way through, and I, I could write a book on what he's done. Just weird. Little teeny-weeny things. Uh, and, and a lot of times, not to me necessarily, but to somebody else. And I got to sit there and watch it. And I knew it was the hand of God. There ain't no doubt about it in my mind that that was the hand of God. You know, every time that happened, what that did, that increased my faith just a smidget and another smidgen and another smidgen and another smidgen to pretty soon I just believe he can do whatever he wants to do. I don't have any doubt of what he can do. He can do anything. There's nothing. I don't care what I've heard people say. Somebody's out to kill you. My mom tells me that all the time. You got to watch what you say, Mike. People will try to kill you. Uh, okay. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with it? I don't really care. If they kill me, I go to heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You say, well, that's awful mean. No, it's not for you. It might be me, but for me, it's a great thing. I get to go where I want to be anyways. You say, why would you want to go to heaven? Because there's a whole lot better than here. I pray all the time. Oh, Lord, bring, come back and straighten everything out and set up your throne over in Israel. So finally, this world will have something that's right on it. You know, I can always trust him to do the right thing. I know without a shadow of doubt that I know that the Lord is going to do the right thing. You know, it's not always, it doesn't always feel good. There's a lot of times it just don't feel good at all. But he does what he does, and I believe him. He says, take your boat out there for a draught. Peter in the next one, and Simon answered, verse 5, and said, Master. He didn't call him friend, Jesus. He master. He's calling him Lord. He knows exactly who he is. We have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, as thy will, as thy, uh, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. You see the S gone off that word? Peter, in that statement, when you look at that verse right there, Simon responds to Jesus, Master. 
He, he gives him the right uh, title. He, he, they look at him as a rabbi. They know he's a man of God. They understand that. But there's, there's a difference in knowing and believing uh, that, that they're crossing into this thing. And as you go down through there, what you're going to do is start finding out. He tells him the situation. You know why you should pray? You should let the Lord know exactly what, what concerns you have. Whether they mean anything to him or not is irrelevant. You shouldn't let him know. He goes, we have toiled all night. Uh, don't you think the Lord knows that? He came down to the boat to get into your boat. He knew exactly what you did all night before you did it, before he ever got there. If he knows where the donkey is there and you have no idea that that donkey's there and he tells you to go somewhere where the donkey's at, then he knows exactly what you've been doing all night anyways. So many of us, we think that he doesn't see what we do. He sees everything we do. And when you do it, you go, oh, Lord, I did it again. Man, I wish I had done that. I'm stupid. You ever done foolish things? I've done foolish things my whole life, man. Fortunately, I know he sees me as a fool, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I did it again. He's, and you know what he says? A righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up. So let's go, Mike. Let's do it. Come on. Come on. Don't quit. Don't quit on me. Well, I thank God we got a God, a Lord that loves me enough to have grace and mercy and kindness with me. I mean, Simon credits to Simon's credit. I wrote a little note here to myself. To Simon's credit, without hesitation. I mean, he sits there and tells him, and Simon answers. So Simon starts talking, and he's talking right to Jesus, and Jesus is sitting there going, I can see him rolling his eyes. My wife does this to me every now and then. But I can see him doing it. And Simon answers and said, Master, we have told all night, like you don't know that, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, Simon, to his credit, without hesitation or further request from Jesus Christ, he heads out to the deep. And where Simon messes up here is his attitude. What kind of attitude you got today? You got an attitude? I know you got an attitude. <laughs> I'm just glad you came to church. And I'm like Brother Joe. That was good singing, man. I sit back here in the back. I love the singing. Singing's great. Nevertheless, you know what nevertheless means? It means this. In spite of what preceded this, nevertheless, you know what preceded this? Master, we have told all night to take nothing. Nevertheless, what an attitude with Jesus Christ. You know what, you know what Simon's problem is here? He's not used to the impossible yet. And he's not used. We have somebody who who revels in the impossible. Impossible to us, to him, is, everything's possible. I, I mean, if he can make a woman that's 90 years old, Sarah, have a baby, I'm telling you, man, he can do just about anything he wants. No hospital, no doctors, no nothing. Not if you go to the hospital and the doctor and you take pills, I'm not going to tell you don't do any of that. I'm just telling you that when God gets involved in someone, the Lord gets involved, he can take a woman that's 90 years old that's well past childbearing, and he can say, hey, boom, I like Lazarus, man. Lazarus is like really dead. He waits four days. Really dead. Not just partially dead or mostly dead. He's all the way dead. He is dead, dead, dead. Martha goes, he stinketh. How do you know he stinketh? You got a rock over it. We smelled enough of them four days after they died. That's why we put all this stuff around them so they won't stink. He goes, Lord, don't you know? Don't you think the Lord knows? If he can make a body out of dirt and breathe in him the breath of life and that thing can stand up and they can name him Adam. Don't you think he could take a body that's already there and make rigor mortis reverse and everything else and bring it back to life? What is it to him anyways? You know what our problem is? Is we've never got to the place where we see the magnitude of God and we, we've got him down here. We've got the Lord Jesus kind of on our level. you got Peter in a boat with Jesus Christ and he is obeying him, but reluctantly. 
He's not arguing with him. He's not fighting with him. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Lord, I know more than you. He didn't have to say all that. Nevertheless, at thy word, not necessarily reluctant, but not enthusiastic either. <laughs> you know what's wrong with a lot of us? You're not, you know why I like singing? Because in singing, we, we could have a choir. We could have a good choir. I don't want a good choir. I don't want a choir. I like y'all singing. I like singing with you guys. My kids don't like me singing with them anymore, but that's okay. I'm, I tolerate that. I can, still, I can still make them sing with me if I wanted to, but I won't. I don't, I'm not that kind of an ogre. But, but he, he's just not, he's not enthusiastic about getting, getting out there where the fish are. He's a fisherman. You would think that he, yeah, let's go, oh, let's do it, man. No, he's not that way. You know, it's a sad thing, man. We have lost our shout. Brother Tom mentioned that the other night. We have lost our shout when it comes to Jesus Christ because sometimes we're just out in the crowd out there and we're just afraid to let people. I got two stickers. They were on the side of my truck. They were, I had them in my garage forever on one of my other trucks, and, and I took them off, and I finally found them, and I had them on the side, and they're all kind of you know, wavy all over the place. And so I stuck them on the side, and I said, wait a second, man. You can't see them things on the side unless you're on the side. I said, very few. I said, I want them on the back, man, where everybody can read them. I've watched hundreds of people buy. I, I sit at Kroger's, man, a lot of times. I go, woo-hoo, and, and I'll sit inside. I watch people go buy my truck. And they're two nice verses. They're not mean. I mean, they're not mean at all. It's not like you're going to turn and burn and go right to hell, you wicked sinner. Nothing like that. I mean, it's for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I mean, I, I had to go read them. I don't even know what they are. I know they're good. They're Bible. They're good verses. Uh, but uh, I watch people sit there and they'll stop and read them. They'll read this one, and then they'll go over and read this one. And you know, I have never had anybody bust out my back window yet. And I've never had them kick the back of the truck because they got mad at the verse. I've never had them throw something at it. I've never had them do anything. I sit there and watch them, and they read it, and they walk on. You know what that does? That puts the Word of God in somebody's life. A lot of us, we're just afraid, man. You know, you, do you get enthusiastic about something? I'm sitting there telling them, I walk out of the house, and I get so busy anymore, I walk out with tracks, without tracks. Uh -uh, anymore now, when I walk out of the house, I got a pocket full of tracks. You say, why? Because you never know when the Lord's going to say, hey, hand one out here, hand one out here, do this, do that. Peter's just not necessarily reluctant about doing it. He's going to go on out there because he knows he's the master. And, and a, a while, four or five weeks earlier, he was out there, and, and Jesus walked by, and here's Andrew and Peter, and he says, hey, come follow me. And they left their nets and went and followed him, and then he went down a little further, and there's John and James, the sons of thunder. You think I'm loud, man. You ought to hear these guys. These guys, he called them the sons. If the Lord calls you the sons of thunder, you're loud. And so he said, come on, follow me, and they did. But for whatever reason, now they're back fishing. What did you lose in two or three weeks that would keep you from serving Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, brother, we'll look at other people and we'll start looking at them and we'll try to compare our lives with them. And God don't care one thing about me looking at anybody else. He cares about me. And your life is his. It's not mine. And mine isn't yours. And you can't say, well, Mike does this and Mike does this or you do that or you do that. I don't fly. That don't fly in the Lord. It doesn't fly. Man, I'm going through uh, Romans. I'm in Romans 3.23. Uh, it says, for the wages of sin is death. I believe that that's what it is. But the gift of God is eternal. It is, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then he goes into the fine. I'm, I, we're, we started that Wednesday night or Thursday night. 
It's the lawyer, man. He's starting in, Paul the lawyer is starting in that fine print. And he's going off on a bunch of names of things happened to me when I got saved. And God is sitting there going to hold me accountable to every one of those. You know, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, and if you're saved in here, that's where you're headed. You're going to be standing in a courtroom. And you're going to have to give an account of everything you did from the day you got saved. Your sins, as far as uh, eternity, is settled. It was settled at Calvary. I got saved. I'm done. But boy, I tell you what, there's going to be some things I'm going to have to answer for. And Satan, I don't think Satan's going to be there. I don't even know if he has to be there. I'm sitting there. I'm going to, get, I'm going to have to look at Jesus Christ. And he's going to say, you did this, 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 this. And brother, I'm telling you what, there's going to be a lawyer. It's going to be just like a courtroom. And I'm going to look down and I'm going to see the righteousness of God, the propitiation of God, the sanctification of God. Everything happened to me. And, I'm going to, and the Lord says, why did you do what you did? Ain't going to be no, there's no going to be no excuse. But you should be enthusiastic about your Christian walk. I am tickle pink that I'm saved, man. I'm glad to be saved. One of these days I get to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I really want to go to heaven. I want to see people go to heaven too. I want to see my mom. You know what I'd like to see? My mom may be saved. She's been asking Jesus to save her for 30 years, two or three times a day. I cannot even imagine going that long not knowing where I'm going when I die. And I'm like, I want to see her. And she's starting to smile. She's starting to laugh, and she's starting to get happy. I want to see her say, Mike, I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. That's what I'm looking for. I'm, I, I don't want nothing else. She can keep her money or all the other stuff. I don't care. I want to see her smile and say, hey, I would, I would give everything I have to see that. Why? I don't want to see nobody go to hell. I don't know why anybody. He goes, he goes, he goes on, he goes, and I have taken nothing, nevertheless, no enthusiasm at all. At that word. I mean, how many, how many times do we do what we do because we have to do it? I mean, why, why aren't you ever happy about serving Jesus Christ? You know what the problem is, is we look at something else. I throw everything out. Everything I got goes out the window, and I just spend my time with Jesus Christ. That's where I want to be. That's where my happiness comes from. I've got a wife, I love her to death, she loves me, but my happiness comes from Jesus Christ. That's where I'm going to focus my time and effort right there. And in the process, you know what I do? I take care of my wife and my kids and my family and everything else. That's just, it's a natural thing. He said, let down the nets. And he goes, I will. And he obeyed, and he let down the nets. The word, the word actually means something if you read it. You know, you've got to read it, net. He let down his net. The Lord says nets. We don't pay attention. You know, there's a, a Elijah was dying. And I think Joash was coming up to him. And, and, the, and Elijah was, I mean, he's dying. The guy's dying. And Joash, oh, Father, the chariots of heaven. Oh. They say all this stuff. You know, they know exactly what to say to make it sound really good. Uh, and Elijah says, open the window. And he does. He says, shoot an arrow. And he does. And he says, the deliverance. I want to read this exactly how I wrote it. He says, uh, this is what the verse says. The arrow, he, he says, open the window. And this is a prophet now. This, isn't, this, this is a big guy. This is a big one. This is a big one. This is like a Moses here. He says, take an arrow and shoot it towards Syria. So he does. Then he says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow, arrow of deliverance from the Lord, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. Now that's a prophecy of a prophet. 
from God. But it's dependent on what Joash does next. You know, the Lord could tell you what your future is going to be, but it's dependent on what you do with what he gives you. He says, smite the ground. Man, when I get to heaven, I can't. I'm going to have to hit this guy. <laughs> I don't have nothing to smite with. I'll, oh, Joe's guitar. No. <laughs> it's a, he built that one too. No. No. Uh, he tells him, so he hits the ground three times. No enthusiasm. Zero. He says, you're going to win three battles. That's it, man. He said, you should have, he should have still been smiting today. He should wait till Elijah says, oh, whoa, stop, man. There ain't no more Syrians left. You're going to go after the Philistines next. Quit it. He didn't, man. You know what happened? There's no enthusiasm. You know what our problem is? We lost that joy and that shout in our lives for Jesus Christ. There's a personal thing there that you lost, man. Here's a man standing right next to one of the prophets, the greatest, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. He's right next to him. The man tells him what the future is, and he still don't get it. Then, then you got the man of God over in 1 Kings. The Lord tells him, exactly, go, prophesy against the altar, get out. Don't eat there, don't do nothing. He didn't listen to what he was told. I don't care who comes up and tells you anything. You chunk it if it don't match that book. The Lord told him exactly what to do. Now, take your Bibles and go to John, First, uh, John, Gospel of John, real quick. Here's a story sitting here, and almost every single time you get to this story, Everybody focuses in on one thing, and he missed the rest. John chapter 2. It's a marriage, marriage supper at Canaan, a marriage at Canaan. And Mary's there, Jesus' mother, and it says, verse 1, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. That's Mary, by the way. That's Mary. That's not the queen of heaven. That's Mary. And behold, Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, that's what everybody goes to. Wow, Jesus made wine. If you, you don't miss the whole thing. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Now, I think this is where the Catholics get, you ask Mary, and Mary will go talk to Jesus, and Jesus will do what you want to do. I, I guess that's where they get it. I have no idea where they get it, because Mary is just as scared as anybody else when it comes to Jesus. But you know what? Jesus is, is 30 years old plus here at this point. He starts his ministry. And, and you're sitting there looking at him. So Mary has been around him for 30 years. She has watched him do some stuff for 30 years. When he was 12, he was in a, a room with some lawyers and doctors, and he was confounding them. But first of all, she was a lousy mom, just like all the rest of us are. Uh, yeah, I'm not a mom, but I'm a dad. Uh, moms and dads, we just mess up. If you think you mess up, Mary left him in Jerusalem and, and headed out of Dodge. Oh, he's with one of my aunts or uncles or cousins or something. He's out there somewhere. She had no idea where he was. That's just, that's all. I mean, I think the Lord put that in there to make it look better for her. She thought he was in the company with somebody else. No, man. Uh, I mean, you should know exactly where your kids are all the time. Kids, you should know where your parents are all the time. <laughs> you should know, man. I like it. I like little kids, man. When the, Wally, Wally, Sarah will be there, and Wally still hasn't warmed up with me a whole lot, but... I mean, he laughs at me and looks at me, and, he, and from a distance, he's okay, but up close, he's, he'll run back to Sarah, man. He'll stay right there with Sarah. Uh, Riley does the same thing. He's, she's starting to do that now. Runs back to mommy. And that's our daddy. That's exactly what they should do. But here, Mary is sitting here, and 
And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus, Mary, said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, and they'll say this right here. Look how, how rude he is. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servant. She included some other people in it at this time. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You know what she did? She had enough enthusiasm in her life to grab some other people and say, look, he's getting ready to tell you something. And whatever he tells you to do, we're going to do it. You're going to do it too. You got that? We need something from him and he's going to do exactly what we need. I know he can do it. You know why we never see stuff in our lives? Because we're not right there. We'll go, Jesus turned water into wine. That makes him a, a teetotaling drunkard. And we fix it. We miss the whole thing. The thing is about Mary saying, my son can do it. You know how you get to heaven? I'm going to tell you, it's Jesus Christ. There ain't no other way. The only other way is hell. There ain't no way. And guess what? You'll see him in hell too. You just won't like when you see him there. He can do anything, go anywhere. He's already been there, done that, got the t-shirt. He can walk right through. The, the gates of hell cannot stop him at all. It never would stop him. But hell was not made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels. And Mary's got enough enthusiasm. And all, hey, hey, you know what she does? She says, get, he says, uh, oh, watch this man. They do exactly what he does. And he makes wine. And there were set, and his mother said, whatever, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying and the Jews uh, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. They just didn't fill them like halfway. They didn't fill them, oh, here you go, man. Uh, Mary was probably supervising his job. I mean, she was right there on top of this thing. She goes, hmm, all the way. I mean, it's coming over the top. I want it over the top, down the sides. Fill these things, six of them. I want them filled all the way to the top. And we're not going to waste one little bit of this thing. You know what happened? Jesus walks by and turns it into wine. You know what Peter did out on that boat? Okay, nevertheless. He should have said, hey, guys, come on, man. The Lord told me to go out here for a drought. We need the other ship right now. Let's go. And he should have threw every net he had. First of all, he should have threw them all on the boat to start with, but he didn't. And then he should have got all the other nets and had them things out there. He didn't do that either. Mary had some enthusiasm. Peter didn't have any. Look at that. I'm almost done. Watch this. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And their net broke. You know what Peter did? He started getting some enthusiasm in his life. You know what he did? He seen God do something. He seen the Lord do something. And they beckoned. They, so there's somebody on that ship with him. Other than Jesus, I think. It's probably Andrew. And they beckoned, because to get a ship, this is a ship, by the way, not a boat. A boat is like a oars. A ship is like a sailing ship. I probably had tall masks and everything on it, man. I bet you it was a cool ship. Probably had, had uh, steam engines and everything. Peter, I mean, Peter had the top of the line of everything. Uh, but, but it says, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come out. That's, that's Andrew and uh, that's James and John to help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Boy, you're talking about some excited fishermen. I bet you they were, I, I'd have liked to have seen that. I hope he replays that part in heaven. I want to see that right there. Ben, I bet you Peter, James, John, Andrew, they were like shouting and all the other people out there helping them. They were shouting. We need more nets. We need more nets. Hey, get more nets. You know, all of a sudden what they did is they realized, hey, Jesus could do some things. You know what this world has? They have people with money and they can only do certain things, but they still can't fix my finger. 
I broke my finger. I broke it good. They tried to fix it. That's why it looks like that. They tell me now they could fix it. It'd take them about six, eight months to fix it, and it would hurt a whole lot. And I just don't want to hurt a whole lot. I already hurt a whole lot when I fall anyways. Others' needs, you know, other needs, others' needs met by a simple act of obedience. Although Peter was discontent, he wasn't discontent. He just wasn't enthusiastic about what he did. He still did it. And because he did it, all the needs of him, his other partners, and everybody on the shore was fed. They were taken care of. A great multitude of fish appeared out of nowhere. Have you ever watched the Lord do something for you out of nowhere? I mean, you, you sit there and say, how in the world did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, it marvels my, I, I sit there and go, Lord, I don't know how you got me through that. I don't know how you did this. I don't know how you did that. Those people, oh, well, you just thought you, you used your brains. And no, I, I know what my brains are capable of. And, and some things I just have no power over. And I've watched him do some things that, that showed me some things. I've done things before that I didn't even know I did it until after it was done. And I solved things and done things that nobody else could do. And then I had to go back afterwards and look at what I just did. And then I knew what I did. And I, I was very precise and precision on what I did to fix problems and still did not know what I did. I just, it just didn't look right or some, something was different. Simon's boat was full. Simon's partner's boats were full. And they began to sink. Oh, Lord, help us. We got too much. You never hear people do that anymore. Both ships began to sink and they brought all that stuff in. And when that happened, Peter realized in his heart, Lord, I wasn't enthusiastic about this. And I said, nevertheless, I said that. And, and I, I already told you there wasn't no fish out there. I didn't believe you. You know what Peter had to do as the years go on with him and the Lord? He had to learn that, hey, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is God manifest in the flesh. And your walk is so important that you have to go through these things in life. You have to go through them. And what the devil's going to do is always put things in our path to try to keep us from going through those things because he knows that if you ever get to the place where you can sit down and just let whatever happens happen and just say, okay, Lord, what do I do? Lord, show me, open the doors, show me what to do. And Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do with a smile on my face, no matter if it hurts or it doesn't hurt, whatever it is, whatever seemeth good to thee, Lord, you do. Whatever you want to do, that's what I'm, I'm into what you're doing, man. That's I mean, what you're doing. Because I know whatever you do is going to work out right, no matter what the outcome is. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. I say, if, if you can raise Lazarus after four days, if you kill me, you can bring me back to life. Uh, who cares? Uh, if you're going to do something, uh, you know, if, I don't want to say do something to my family, but if that's what you got to do, then do it. You're God. I mean, who am I to hold back from you when you never held back from me? You know what our problem is, is we forget that he never held back for you. He went all the way. He didn't go part of the way. He went all the way for you with the right attitude. Father, not my will, but thine be done. That's the man side of Jesus Christ talking. He went all the way. You can do it and so can I. But you know what it takes? It takes a lifetime of walking with him sometimes to get to the place where you sit there and Peter says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down in Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. You know what he did? He goes, I just seen what you did and oh, I didn't believe it. I just didn't trust you, Lord. I'm sinful. You shouldn't even be around me. There's other people. There's, you ever said that? I do all the time. 
There's other people that love you more than me. Why do you even keep talking to me? Lord says it's because you listen. <laughs> That's all it is. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes. He goes, I was out there all night. I was there. Have you ever done something and done it and done it and done it and nothing happens? And then all of a sudden, man, I'll tell you, I got a drought of tickets one time. I was at a red light up here, and, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit told me to go straight. I was in a place where I had like seven violations against my vehicle and my trailer. <laughs> and I'm sitting at that red light, and my house is, is right. If I go left, left, that way, right down the end of the road here is my house a couple, three or four, five miles. I said, this way is the church. And the Lord said, you better be going to the church. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, it's just a thought, just a thought. And I didn't do it. And I turned left. It was the worst mistake I made that day. I go down to another red light down the bottom, and a policeman pulls me over. And he just starts writing tickets. I think he ran out. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. I'm like, and I'm sitting here laughing. I wasn't mad at the police officer at all. I'm like, Lord, you told me to go straight. He goes, mm-hmm. And you didn't. And he goes, I said, but would you make me break the law? He goes, you weren't breaking the law until you got caught. And he said, you weren't going to get caught if you had done what I told you to do. <laughs> you stupid idiot. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But I didn't. You know, it's one of those times like David. David didn't. He, he left Keilah. He left. I didn't listen. And I got in trouble. They were astonished. And Peter knew that when God did that thing, that he seen the hand of God. And he was, he was just... He was flabbergasted at himself for not seeing that at the beginning. And so, verse 10, it says, And so was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Verse 11, it says, And they, and when they had brought their ship to land, they forsook all and followed him. You know why you don't follow Jesus? I'm going to tell you right now. Because you've never really let him do anything in your life to show you that he's who he says he is. My world started probably when I was 15, 16 years old. And I started watching him do some little things. And I didn't necessarily equate that to him then, but now I do. And I, I sit back and I start watching, man, how did that happen? And how did that happen? And how did that happen? That, that just can't happen like that. And that thing with me wrecking my car, or it's that guy hitting my car, and I knew the engine was going to blow up, and I said, man, I wish somebody had hit me, and within three or four minutes, a guy totals my car out, and I get another car, and, and he has to send us back to the shop and get it fixed. <laughs> the Lord does all kinds of, and, I, I, and I'm laughing on the hood. I'm laying on the hood out there in the middle of an intersection, laughing. I'm just laughing up in the sky like this, and people are like, the guy that uh, just, he hit me, he, he's over yelling at me because he's mad because he just smashed the whole front of his car all to pieces. And I'm laughing because I'm like, just a couple minutes ago, just like, I said, you don't know this. You don't understand it. I, and I didn't know that that was Jesus Christ doing that and the Holy Spirit. But I'm saying a few minutes ago, I just said this and it happened. That I just, I marveled at that, man, that, it, that stuff like that could happen. It wasn't deja vu, nothing. It was like, hey, I, need, I wish somebody would hit me. Boom, there it goes. Who is that? That's God, man. You say, well, why would God do that? I have no idea why he would do that for me, but he did. Simon Peter starts a journey here, and he never ends. In John 21, he has another seaside chat with Jesus as a risen Savior. And he's out there fishing again. He goes right back to what he's doing. He's back here fishing. And uh, John sees him, and they go and see him. Acts 1, Peter assumes leadership position. He never thought that he'd be the one in charge of the church at Jerusalem. He never thought that. 
Peter, Peter's act two, Peter's preaching on a rooftop. Now I'm telling you, man, he's starting to really get into the game now. He's up on a rooftop, got a little flame on his head and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's, and everybody tries to mimic that. Uh, if I ever seen anybody with a little flame on their head, I might listen to them. But they ain't got, I've never seen nobody with a little flame on their head. I'm all full of the Holy Ghost. Do what I tell you. Where's the flame at, man? Where's the flame? You ain't got one. Peter, verse, chapter 3, Peter and John heal a lame man. Boy, that guy got all excited. Chapter 4, Peter boldly preaching in the temple. He's not scared. He's not scared anymore. 5, he has the authority over life and death. Ananias and Sapphira both died because of what he says. Both of them dead. Acts chapter 9, Paul comes in. Saul comes in and Paul gets saved. And the rest of it's all history. Brother Nair, your Bible is so full of stuff. You know, it, you sit there and look at the thing. And the first thing in a person's life is salvation. It starts right there. If you're, not, if you're in today and you're not saved, you know what you need to do is get saved. That's where it starts. But it don't end right there. It just starts there. The journey starts right there. The trip just starts. And all of a sudden you get on that thing. And really, you talk, it's, it's if you've ever been to Cedar Point, they got a, 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 a I forget, millennium, the millennium race or whatever it is. But, I mean, you come out of the gate, and, and I, like, I like the ones up there because they're all smooth. They don't hurt you too much. So you go up there, and I haven't been up there in years anyways, but, but you, it just starts shooting you right up. And it, that's salvation, initial salvation. And you get to the top of that thing, and all of a sudden you go, boom, right down. And for the next three or four minutes, man, it's like you're all over the place, everywhere. That's, that's your walk with Jesus Christ. It's the greatest thing in the world, man. They ought to name that the Jesus ride. I'm telling you what. <laughs> It'll throw you all over the place. It'll, I mean, you're, you don't have time to be scared. You don't have time to be frightened. You're just along for the ride. That's all you're there for. Jim Elliott, no, no relation of mine, was a Christian missionary to uh, Ecuador. He was killed uh, by a bunch of Honduran Indians in 1956. And he goes, why do you need a voice when you have a verse? And he also said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which you cannot lose. I can't lose my salvation if I wanted to. I couldn't lose it if I wanted to. I can't. I could, I could deny Jesus Christ, and I could not lose it if I wanted to. I believe in eternal security. I can't lose it. It's, just, it's unlosable. Once you get that thing, and you actually get it, that's how important that is, it can never be lost. But boy, there's some other things. I got Bible verses that just tell me what to do, and I do them. And sometimes they make no sense. I'm like Peter, man. It's the Lord... I'll go do what you want me to do, and, and I'm not as enthusiastic as I always should be, and I should be, and I'll do what you tell me to do, and then I'll watch the thing happen, and I'm like, man, I would have never thought that. I would have never thought that. Bob Jones Sr. said, don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. And back of God's command, he puts his omnipotence. His power is behind everything he says. You know, there's nobody else who can put power behind anything they say. Even, even Musk or any of those guys with all their billions, Trump, once they run out of money, they're out of money. There is no limit to his resources, none whatsoever. I'll read this when I'm done. Sir Leonard Woods uh, once visited the king of France, and the king was so pleased with him, he was invited for dinner the next day. Sir Leonard never said a word. He never said, oh, thank you, king, never said a word. Next day, guess what? (laughs) Sir Leonard went up to to the palace, and the king met him in one of the halls, and said, wow, Sir Leonard, I did not expect to see you. How is it that you're here? And, and Sir Leonard said this. He said, did your majesty invite me to dine with you? Said the uh, astonished guest. 
Yes, replied the king, but you did not answer my invitation. Then it was, was that Sir Leonard said this. He, uh, he goes, he replied, a king's invitation is never to be answered, but to be obeyed. You told me to be to dinner, and I'm here. If there's no dinner, that's fine. But I'm right here where you told me to be. You know what the Lord is telling us what to do. And we should never hesitate doing what he says to do. Even when Peter, he never hesitated, he nevertheless, he did what the Lord told him to do. And he got to solve something. James got to see it. John got to see it. Andrew got to see it. And you and I get to read about it. You know what that is? That's somebody doing what God told him to do. You know, the first thing he ever did, I did in 1980. I got saved. Lord said, get saved. I did, man. I did the best way I could. I just did what I was supposed to. I said, Lord, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't even know what to say. I just did it. And my uncle had to, three weeks later, after I'm bawling my eyeballs out, had to tell me what I did. But from then on out, man, when he tells me, and I know he's telling me to do something, I'm going to do what he tells me to do, and I don't care what anybody else says. I know this, that he was by himself when he died. There's probably a good chance I'm going to be by myself. I know that Paul was by himself pretty much with Luke when he died. That means I'm probably going to be by myself. Stephen was by himself, and everybody else was pretty much by themselves. And it's a real good chance. I, I thank God for this crowd we have today. What's a blessing, man? And I would be tickle pink if the whole place filled up and we had to build another building in the back to put everybody in. I would think that would be great. But I don't need that to have a fellowship with Jesus Christ. I like Jesus just the way he is. He does things that nobody else can do, and that marvels me. Are you saved today? Do you know for sure you're saved? Have you lost that little bit of enthusiasm that you ought to get back? You know, right now is a good time. We're going to have an altar call here in just a second. But now is the time to come up and say, my uncle used to do this great. I mean, he's, if you're here today and you'd like to get baptized, now is the time to come up and, and, and let us know what you would like us to do. If you're here for salvation, let us know. We'll have one of these people on the front row here. We'll get you, man. You look like you need to lead somebody to the Lord. <laughs> and, and I'm not making light of it. I'm just telling you, brother, and you know what it is? Now is the time to do business. There's always a time to do business, but sometimes it's a little bit better times than other times and days. Brother, I'm done. It's a, it's a better time. If you know the Lord's calling you to do something or talking to you, you know what you ought to do? You ought to answer that thing right now and not waste no time. Peter didn't. Salvation is the most important thing. But after that, living this life is. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for his story. And Lord, thank you for the outcome. Peter did do great, Lord. Down the road, he did an excellent job and he's and, Lord, all through history now, we have the writings of Peter. And, Lord, uh, he went through some things with you, but he had to learn just like we have to go through some things with you, and we have to learn. This is all learned in time. And, Lord, thank you for having grace and mercy and kindness with us, patience, long-suffering. Lord, thanks for caring for each and every one of us. Lord, I just pray that you'd watch over us, uh, for those in the room, if there's anybody that's lost, that you'd work in their hearts and show them their need of a Savior. And for the rest of us, Lord, that you'd show us our needs. Uh, Lord, of being more enthusiastic and trusting in you. And, and Lord, and when you tell us to do something, that we just do it. Again, Father, thank you for your blessings. Bless the invitation. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.